Welcome to Everyday Martial Artist, a weekly podcast where you'll join me, Brian Doucet, as I interview a different martial artist each episode and hear their story. Some guests you may have heard of and some you probably haven't. Be sure to subscribe where all your favorite podcasts are available. Also visit our website at everydaymartialartist.com. If you're listening for a specific interview, I sure hope you'll stay and check out the other episodes. A very special thank you to Topher Williams for our custom theme music. And now, the newest episode of Everyday Martial Artist. Everyday Martial Artist is brought to you by KOonline.com for all your martial arts needs. Sparring and safety gear, rank belts, uniforms, weapons, patches, and more. Wholesale supplies made by martial artists for martial artists. Visit us today at KO-Online.com. Hello and welcome to Everyday Martial Artist. I'm your host, Brian Doucette. And as we do every Thursday, we're joined by a brand new guest talking about their life, their journey throughout the world of martial arts and other stuff they're involved in. My guest today has been a martial artist for 49 years. He's known for going beneath the surface, teaching internal body mechanics in an easy-to-understand way, and he has fun while he teaches, always quick to crack a joke or make a bad pun. He uses a science and evidence-based approach, rejecting much of the woo-woo, mystical mumbo-jumbo that many internal arts teachers embrace. He believes the internal art should be based on reality, not fantasy and ancient, outdated, bogus science. He's also an author, blogger, and podcaster. Please welcome to the show, Ken Gullett. How are you doing today, Ken? Well, thank you for the intro. I think I want to <laughs> study with that guy myself. Well, there you go. That's one thing I take pride in as I try to make my intros the best they can be. You know, like I said, I do, I do voiceover too, so I try to make them sound good. And I actually had one, one of my guests ask me if I'd send him a recording of his intro so he could use it on his own podcast. I'm like, if you really want to, that's fine. So, what Yeah, we, I was, was going to say that's enough. Uh, thank you, everybody. Good to talk with you. Good, good. <laughs> what we do with all my guests, I want to go back to the beginning. What, what was that first spark? What led? to that first interest in martial arts for you? Well, it's ironic that uh, it was 50 years ago this year that the Kung Fu show debuted. Mm -hmm. And uh, my buddy and I started watching it for the fight scenes. And uh, I'd been in a lot of fights growing up, uh, picked on by a lot of bullies. Even though I was a pretty good fighter, they didn't know that by looking at me. So I really loved the Kung Fu show. And then Bruce Lee hit and that that did it. I had a cousin that I was rooming with in college. He had been studying for a few months. And so I enrolled in uh, September 1973. Wow. And what was that first style? It was uh, Shaolin Do Karate, which doesn't make any sense because (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't make any sense. Um, The teacher is very well known in the Lexington, Kentucky area. He was a legend even at that time. People would say, oh, he can cut himself with a knife and he won't bleed. He can (laughs) jump up and and his feet will touch the goal of a basketball hoop. And so I enrolled with his school and after two or three years realized it really wasn't that great a school, although I practiced my heart out. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I went up to Columbus, Ohio in 1976 to a tournament and just saw martial arts that blew me away. Okay. So I parted ways, studied a little Taekwondo, mm-hmm. I studied a little Tian Shan Pai Kung Fu, and then studied a little, then I got into the internal arts, 1987. Okay. So what, initially, when you first went to that class, that first class, what drew you to it initially? What was it that made you want to study? Well, I'd always been interested in self-defense because of all the fights I had been in, mm-hmm. but um, I just thought the martial arts were mysterious and cool and, um, you know, believed like everybody else that you became a deadly weapon and <laughs> drive your hand into someone's chest and pull their heart out and show it to them before <laughs> before they died. 
So yeah, it, it was very mysterious. And the first night, it was in a, a strip mall, and the back of the building was a garage door that went up. And so he had so many people, he raised the garage door. We were spilling out into the driveway. Wow. And yeah, it was in 73, the Bruce Lee craze was really big. Mm-hmm. And this was a month after Enter the Dragon hit the theaters. Okay. So that was the final straw. I, I walked out and Enter the Dragon at 20 years old thinking, if I could ever do a tenth of that, <laughs> you, would, you wouldn't be afraid to walk anywhere. Yeah. So that's what got me into it. Over time, though, it, you know, after you learn some of the self-defense and a lot of the techniques, and uh, now I'm into it, uh, I love I'm fascinated with the movements of Tai Chi and Bagua, especially, mm-hmm. and how they translate into powerful self-defense with body mechanics that make it more powerful Okay. Uh, without using a lot of muscular tension. That's what fascinates me now, just trying to get better at that. So you said 1987. So what, what was your first experience with internal fighting arts and kind of how, how did you find it? Well, I worked in television news and I left a job in Cincinnati and moved out to Omaha for a job at a TV station. And uh, while I was there, the first two or three weeks, I looked in the yellow pages for a martial arts school because it had been a while since I'd been in one. And I found a, a school there with uh, an instructor who did Tai Chi, Xingyi, and Bagua. So I joined up and uh, really took to it. It was, uh, his name was Pete Starr. He's got several books on the market. Philip Starr uh, is his pen name. And it, you know, in the end years, there was a lot of woo-woo involved. There was a belief in the powers of chi and Mm -hmm. things that didn't set well with me over time. You know, I went into it I studied acupuncture with him for a couple of years, and there were just things about it that I didn't agree with over time and uh, parted company. Okay. And so then what was the, after that, what was your next step in your martial arts journey? Uh, I moved a lot. Mm-hmm. And so I, let's see, after that, I found myself here in the, in the Quad Cities, and I started the internet was coming along at that time. I was still practicing. In fact, I got a black sash in the style that I'd learned in Omaha. Okay. And that was 1997. So I started teaching, but at the same time, the internet was exploding and I started running across terms I'd never heard before, like Pungjin and ground path and some people who studied Chen style Tai Chi uh, on a list serve. Mike Sigmund was one of the leaders of that list serve. And so I asked them after a few months, I said, where can I find a master in the Chicago area who can teach me some of this? And they laughed because masters are very, very few and far between, despite what Americans think. Right. And so they, they steered me to uh, Jim Krishamanya in Rockford, Illinois, about two hours away from me. Mm-hmm. So I went up there and within an hour after doing Young Style over 10 years, I realized everything I'd learned was empty. Wow. And the body mechanics blew me away. Jim and Angie, his wife, had studied with a lot of different people. And um, yeah, I knew I had to start over. And so, I did. So you literally started from scratch? Uh, you have to. I just, uh, I was still, I was teaching at that time. And mm-hmm. I had a Tai Chi class. And a lot of the people were older mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, Yang style is often easier for older people. Chen style was very athletic. It's the body mechanics are very complex. And uh, 
uh, it's much more martial. So I continued to teach young style a little bit beyond that, but I gradually started dropping it yeah. as I learned as I learned chin forms. So just to back up a little bit, I'm curious, what made you want to teach? What drew you to the teaching aspect of martial arts? I don't know. You know, a lot of us, when we start out, we think, oh, I want to school someday. Mm, yeah. <laughs> well, that can be a fate worse than death. <laughs> True. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes people are drawn to it. When I was, for example, in radio and TV news, I didn't really have a mentor who could sit me down and say, Ken, don't do your delivery like this. You know, work on this to be better. You know, nobody would do that. So I became a news director in charge of the newsroom around 1989. And one of my goals was to take the kids I hired out of college to be on TV, uh, reporters and anchors, and coach them to make them better so they could go to bigger cities and earn more money. Nice. And I just, I think some people are just drawn to that kind of thing. And so Mm -hmm. in martial arts, I like to train people and try to cut years off their development time because it took me a long time, many years, decades, actually, to find the real thing. And once I did, as far as internal goes, once I did, I just thought, why? you know, I, I just spent so many dollars and so much time and sweat and blood with teachers who really didn't know what they were doing but they made you think they were masters. And I'm not a master. I'll never be a master. I don't have time in this life to be a master, but I get better all the time and I try to help my students get better. Nice. So for people who just aren't familiar, just describe a little bit what, what exactly the internal fighting arts are. It, it compared to, maybe compared to another style or something, just kind of the, the differences and, and kind of what encompasses it. Well, in some of the arts that I studied, uh, there was a lot of tension, you know, a lot of uh, kiapping and mm-hmm. uh, and muscular down blocks and muscular high blocks and a lot of tension through the body, a lot of turning of the hips as you punch. And the internal arts, you are able to deliver power and be relaxed, relax a lot of that uh, during a lot of that movement. And that fascinated me. You know, it's not mystical. Mm-hmm. It's all physical. It just takes the right instructors, and I, I found some good ones with uh, you know, Jim Krishamanya, uh, Mark Wasson for a while. He he died a few years ago. I studied with some of the Chen family, and uh, the last couple of years I've been studying with Nabil Rane in Germany. Oh, wow. Who, uh, he's a disciple of Chen Yu, who's also part of the Chen family, but he's in Beijing. Well, the Chen village is where most of the family art uh, was headquartered. Okay. So Germany now, do you, do you go over there to train or is it almost mostly? No, uh, for the past two years with COVID and everything Mm. uh, that caused a lot of teachers to go online. Right. And I was really lucky to, uh, I I had him on as a guest on my podcast and heard good things about him. So I took a private lesson or two with him online and uh, then enrolled in his class. So now over the years, you've done quite a few like instructional DVDs and stuff. What kind of led to that? What made you decide to do start doing stuff like that? Oh, just TV and radio background. <laughs> yep. Natural progression. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have the ability to make videos and edit them and create the DVDs. I do everything myself. Wow. Okay. Uh, and my wife is my uh, ace videographer. <laughs> nice. So, um, yeah, I mean, just 
teaching is good if you're in a school or a fitness center or a YMCA or mm-hmm. connected to a university. But I wanted to teach my way. I wanted to teach and whoever could benefit from it, fine. Uh, whoever wasn't interested, fine. And mm-hmm. so you put it on DVD and the people who are really interested and can get something out of it will, will benefit quite a bit. Right. How many videos have you done? I'm scrolling through here. There's a lot of them. This is really impressive. <laughs> you know, when I first started making videos thinking, you know, I could put these things on back then it was VHS. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But put them on DVD, how many would there be? And I made a list of 30 back around 2006. Mm -hmm. My first video, it was on VHS tape, was uh, tournament sparring. Okay. That wasn't internal, but I used a lot of video from my tournaments uh, to illustrate techniques that won for me even up into my 50s. But yeah, it just made a list of the curriculum that I teach and practice and uh, decided to make videos on those things. What are one one or two that you'd recommend if people that want to maybe just learn a little more about, you know, the style you do and what you do, what are a couple of the DVDs you recommend they check out maybe? I'd say if you're uh, into the internal arts, there are two DVDs that really are the foundation of any internal arts that you do, no matter what style. It would be the internal strength DVD and the silk reeling DVD. Okay. I see them here. Now, in 2008, I lost a job down in Tampa. I had closed my school. I had a bricks and mortar school and Mm -hmm. closed it in 2007 to move down there. And uh, after I lost my job, I was sitting around for two or three days. Okay, what now? And I thought, well, let's try to put this online and see what happens. So to this date, you know, it's 14 years later. Mm -hmm. uh, There are about 1,000 video lessons on the site. Wow. Uh, all the stuff from all of my DVDs, plus I do the live classes on Zoom. Mm-hmm. And uh, it has evolved, and especially because of COVID and technology like Zoom, where I can I actually coach and uh, see them improve. And that's exciting. So it's not just DVD. Mm-hmm. The videos are there for people to watch, and then uh, I coach them personally to make sure that they're getting what they need out of it. Nice. And then I'm seeing on here your, your new book. Now, is that your first and only book or have you written other books beside this one? I did several eBooks back okay. uh, around, starting around 2012. Okay. And what led to the interest in writing and, and starting to write books? You know, I just have always loved writing, but there are so many bad internal arts books on the market, especially Tai Chi. It's really hard to teach through a book. You, you can't learn it through a book. But a lot of the things written are, especially when it comes to Tai Chi books, mystical, abstract in a way that I know the instructor doesn't even understand it. It's just things that are repeated over and over. Oh, you can open up any book. I wish I'd uh, anticipated this. I would open up and read you a couple of quotes. Oh, really? Okay. But yeah, I mean, anytime you see uh, books talk about Tai Chi and healing and all that stuff you know it's going to be a bad book. So I just did some ebooks that walk people through forms and I tried to communicate a little bit about the body mechanics even though, you know, you really have to see it in action but then know what you're looking for. Okay. And the internal body mechanics book was I decided not to do an ebook on that just paperback and try to explain in real detail 
with a lot of pictures what the body mechanics of uh, good internal arts look like and what they are, actually. And how, how has the book been received? Oh, very well. Very well. Congrats. That's very cool. So thinking back then to you when you when you first started teaching and through now with the online stuff and the and videos and everything, how do you think your teaching style has changed over the years? You know, humor is always very important to me. I, <laughs> I had a humor column in high school and nice. I had one, one in college in the student paper. And I've always, for a long time, I thought life was a Marx Brothers movie. <laughs> I like that. And, and I was Groucho or Harpo, depending on the situation. So I just have always enjoyed having fun with what I do, even in the newsroom and all that hectic activity. So my teaching, you know, I, I like to make people laugh and laughter is common in my classes. We're serious about the product. We're serious about what we do, but we have fun doing it. I think you have to. Right. I mean, most of us got into these arts to have fun, to be cool and to uh, attract girls. <laughs> I was just going to add that if you didn't. <laughs> nice. Yeah. The first date I went on with my wife, uh, she let me know that Kung Fu was her favorite. And so I thought, okay, this one might be a keeper. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Have you done a lot of tournament competition? Not personally. I, that's, I, that's, and that's kind of, I, I told you a little bit about the one instructor that I had that I compared him to John Kreese. He just, all he cared about, <laughs> he, all he cared about was competition. And I personally, that was never why I got into martial arts. I never wanted to. I've entered one tournament ever and it's the one I was forced to enter. And it's just when I started with my other instructor, that's the first thing I asked him. I said, I, I don't really, I have no problem training for it and getting other people ready for it. I just have no interest in competing. And, yeah. and he, luckily my new instructor was fine with that. But yeah, I've done one ever. I actually got my headgear kicked off with a backspin. <laughs> Yeah, I think I was probably 18 or 19 years old. I remember I could hear my mom gasp across the gymnasium when my, <laughs> when my headgear flew off. I just did not want to be there. It was just never a part of me, but you obviously did. So what, what kind of led to the competition? What was that something? Did you compete in sports when you were younger and stuff? What, what? No, I was really uh, not very athletic oh. uh, as a kid. I, I was into writing stories and uh, taking pictures and, and that kind of thing. And, but then uh, I guess the Bruce Lee movies and the Kung Fu show and just the idea of, of competing because of, because I was in quite a few fights. Mm -hmm. I, I never started the fights, but once they began, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> okay. I, uh, so I, I thought, well, why not do that in a ring where you're not going to get injured very badly and see how good you are. Just test yourself. I think you learn an awful lot about yourself in a tournament. Definitely. How you handle pressure, if you have good strategies, if you can. My favorite part about sparring was to be able to figure out the weakness of my opponent and capitalize on it or put him in a moment of vulnerability using feints. And then, for example, uh, I was in my 50s and was sparring a guy for the uh, black belt championship uh, he was about 25 oh, wow. and i threw a middle side kick a middle side kick and then a hook kick to the head that scored and won the match nice. uh, just uh, deception is such an important part of fighting and uh, sparring that i just love testing those things out but it's also good to be able to uh, you know i've had students who competed in tournaments got beaten and that was it for them they they couldn't go back wouldn't go back right, right and i tried to say you know 
this is how you learn and how you improve. Why didn't it go well? One time I was in a tournament and I'd been to this tournament a few times and this one particular uh, female black belt from another style, a, a hard style, she kept scoring me low and I wouldn't win uh, because of her score. Okay. So finally I went up to her after about the third or fourth tournament and I said, I noticed you score me uh, lower and I wondered if you have any advice. And she said, you go through your forms like a house on fire and you don't build any pacing into it. And of course I walked away and I thought, well, what does she know? She's not in my style. And then I thought about it and thought she's absolutely right. I watched the videotapes and that's the way I first started learning uh, the internal arts. Okay. It was from someone with a long background in karate who really wasn't as internal as he claimed to be. Mm-hmm. So um, I started building a little more softness, a little more pacing, you know, the yin yang, the soft and boom, the hard and uh, what my winnings just started increasing immediately. Nice, nice. But I think if you're a teacher, it's important to compete. It's important to be able to, at some point in your career, at, at my age now, I can't do it with my health problems that I've had. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I thought for a while, it's good for building up some trophies to be able to show students, yes, I can do it here. Very cool. That's a good answer. So uh, when did you decide to start the blog and what kind of led, led to that decision? Well, I was the media relations director at ACT, the college test. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I worked in Iowa city uh, and was their media relations person and uh, head of a department. And so I was always trying to keep up with the latest technology and the uh, online stuff to see how I could use that for the company but also for Kung Fu, <laughs> right? for my business. So I thought a blog would be a really good idea to be able to talk about issues in a little more depth. Mm-hmm. And uh, it worked. It's uh, still going. When did you start the blog? I was trying to find on here. It was uh, October 2006. Oh, wow. Quite a while then. Nice. Yeah, back when a lot of people thought about blogs as uh, – diaries, online diaries or something. I remember that actually. (laughs) Nice. And then what, what led to the podcast? You know, podcasts started, they were big news for a while Mm -hmm. and then they kind of faded a little bit. And then suddenly it just seemed like the thing to do. It was early on. And uh, so I started that in, I think, December, 2014. Okay. Um, I just, you know, with my radio background and the ability to edit, I thought one of the things that spurred me on about that was uh, the fact that so few non-Asians would appear in the Kung Fu and Tai Chi magazines. Right. There was a, a, a long time, maybe, maybe it was that way up to the end of the magazine, but Tai Chi magazine always had an Asian on the cover. And I thought, my one of my teachers pointed that out to me actually mark wassum mm-hmm. and i thought well that doesn't seem right there are a lot of really good teachers who are non-asian so with my podcast i thought i'm going to focus on these people these really good teachers and promote them uh, and in doing so you know it's a, it's a promotion of me as an information provider nice. so it's a win-win situation okay. and how often do you do episodes you know, I'm really bad about that. I'm not like you. 
you do it weekly. I just can't imagine uh, that kind of schedule. I I do one every two two months or oh, so. Okay. okay. Sometimes two or three months. <laughs> wow. Yeah. No. I, when I decided to do, it, you know, I, I looked into like monthly. I looked into biweekly, and when I first started my show, I actually I had twenty two episodes pre recorded, and I'm like. It took me about six months to do that. I'm like, you know, this will be easy. I'll be able to, I'll be able to do this. So I'm just going to do it weekly. And then of course there's a few times where I've like suddenly looked, I'm like, all right, I have one episode left. <laughs> what do I need to do? And that's kind of like, like today I'm doing four interviews today. <laughs> so no yeah. Kidding. yeah. So now I'll be like a month ahead again. <laughs> so wow, I just need, I just need to do really that. That's really amazing. Good yeah. job. Yeah. It's been, it's been, it's been going well. I've, I've enjoyed it. So, so what is some advice you would give someone if someone approaches you, they've never done martial arts in their life and they just want to know what do I look for? What do I look for in a school? What do I look for in an instructor? And maybe, maybe something I should avoid. Mm, oh, that's a good question. I would avoid someone who teaches uh, 10 different arts. Someone who talks about uh, chi as if you can heal someone with your energy or move somebody with your energy. or that That's one of my main things. And someone who will give you personal instruction yeah, that's a that's a really good question. I'm sure other things would come up. You want them to be qualified, mm -hmm. but these days it's easier to tell if someone's qualified Very than true. it was in the 70s and 80s. Mm -hmm. uh, you can check them out. You can do Google searches, but but a lot of people don't understand that just because someone calls themselves Master Smith, you know, it doesn't mean he's a master. Right. It doesn't really mean he's very good. So it takes a little bit of uh, study and maybe some experience to separate the wheat from the chaff. All right. So you've primarily been, you know, traditional martial arts most of your life. You know, you did some tournaments and stuff like that. But I'm just curious, what are your thoughts on like MMA and the UFC? And, and are you a fan of that at all? Oh, uh, yeah. You know, when I <laughs> happen to turn on an MMA fight, my wife, Nancy, she says, oh, I can't watch that. But I'm drawn to it. My my testosterone, what, what I have left of that, spikes. You know, all of us who have been in fights and who enjoy martial arts, uh, there's something about it that just uh, releases a primal instinct in us. Mm -hmm. Mano a mano, you know, just that's what I liked. When a bully picked on me and I tried to avoid a fight, and then finally I couldn't avoid it and started fighting, it was to me the ultimate competition one-on-one okay. -on -one, not necessarily the strongest one is going to win the smartest one might win so uh, i like that about mma what i don't like what i think is unhealthy and unrealistic is when people start thinking that if you can't get in a ring and do an mma match you don't know self-defense true yep there's a lot of that talk still going on yeah, I know. I've, I've had that argument so many times. I'm like, you know, 99% of the time, if, you, if you're actually in a self-defense situation, it's not going to be with another martial artist. Yeah. <laughs> so the fact you know, that you know any kind of martial arts at all is going to be a benefit to you. <laughs> I'm 69 years old, and I haven't been in a fight since I was 18. Oh, wow. So I don't think I'm going to be assaulted on the street. Right. I don't have the paranoia that makes me think I need to go hard and hit, get hit in the head and hit other people <laughs> training and training for decade after decade for something that may not happen. I can fight just fine. And Tai Chi has taught me things I didn't know before. Xing Yi definitely 
taught me how to drive through somebody uh, and Bagua has taught me a lot. So, uh, you know, when you start from a base where I already know how to defend myself, I had to for a long time to studying these arts, it, it just is really self-defeating to say, if I'm not ready to go into a ring, I guarantee you that 98% of the black belts in the world at this time would not be able to get into an MMA ring and don't have to. Exactly. If you're at, out in public and someone with an anger management issue comes at you swinging, that's not an MMA fighter. Right. And it's not a professional boxer either. So if you're good at an art, if you're, if you know how to handle yourself and can be cool under pressure, you're going to be all right. Definitely. So question then, if, if MMA would have had its boom 10 years earlier, do you think you would have probably tried it? Oh, definitely. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, w- I wish I could do it now. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> I just have, uh, you know, there's not enough time to do everything you want to do. Plus right. when you get to a certain age, you he- don't heal as quickly as you used to. That is true. <laughs> I, 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 I know I'm, you know, I'm not quite up there like that, you know, but, but yeah, I'm only 48, but trust me, oh, I, I've had enough, just, I've had enough yeah. injuries and I know about the healing thing. So. <laughs> Yeah, about 48, 50, it starts, you start noticing that it takes a little longer. And uh, now I'm smart enough to avoid the uh, uh, try, uh, most of it. I have a 300 pound student who's very wow. tough, really nice guy. He's mm-hmm. been with me off and on since he was 16. Okay. He's in his 30s now. But man, when he grabs me, we were two or three weeks ago working on escaping from grabs with just silk reeling and spiraling and he grabbed me real good and yeah i was out of it no problem when i took my shirt off he had ripped my skin in a couple of places so yeah aging is yeah (laughs) you still have to work on it definitely so who are a few names and it doesn't have to be four but who are some some people that you would put on your personal mount rushmore of martial arts personal mount rushmore Ooh. Well, definitely Bruce Lee. Nice. Uh, Bill Wallace. Very cool. Nice. Oh, Muhammad Ali. Nice. And well, that's three good ones anyway. Yeah, that's three great ones. <laughs> that's three great ones. I think they've all been named at least once when I've asked that question. So that's three great ones. And um, I've met two out of three anyway. I've met one out of the three. I've only met Bill Wallace. So. <laughs> yeah, he was, uh, did a couple of workshops with him. He was just a great guy. Fun to be around. Definitely Talk about someone who in, incorporates humor in their teaching. <laughs> yes. Yes, he does. Yeah. No, he's a, he's a good guy. So in all your years of, of martial arts, is there one philosophy you've learned that rises to the top? That's super important to you and you keep coming back to. Oh, definitely. I'm not sure if there's one, but there's a concept in uh, internal arts uh, connecting. You connect with your partner. You connect with your opponent. When he moves, you move, you know. When my opponent strikes, I've already struck, you know, he, mm-hmm. it's um, connecting is something you can work on in a class and you can practice it. And then you carry that forward into day to day and Qigong as well. I mean, doing Qigong, it isn't mystical for me, but I've been doing it since 1987. And what Qigong should do for you is train yourself to Calm the mind, calm the body, and center yourself. Find your center. Put your mind on your Dantian. 
And then later, when a tense situation happens or you have a tough deadline at work or your spouse gets mad at you or something, Mm -hmm. someone cuts you off on the interstate, you react to that with calming, breathing out, focusing on the Dantian, centering yourself rather than tension. And I started doing that back in when I was in TV in Omaha. I would, you know, one day a tornado was coming right past the station. It was a wall cloud anyway. It hadn't dropped the tornado yet. And I was sitting there pounding away. I was producing the six o'clock news and it was just about almost five o'clock. And people were running around screaming, the wall cloud, getting cameras outside to, to carry it live. And I heard somebody laughing and I looked over and it was a sports guy sitting there. And he said, to Dr. Chill, he said, everybody's running around like they're going crazy and you're just sitting there getting the job done. <laughs> And I thought that was the first time I realized the benefits of Qigong. Uh, I was centering myself. I was the calm in the center of the storm. And I have used that countless times since 1987, uh, all the time. And that is a benefit to doing uh, more internal arts, or but especially Qigong. It's not limited to internal. Right. Anybody can do it. But people, some people think Tai Chi is meditation and motion, but I don't meditate when I do Tai Chi. I am uh, mindful when I do Tai Chi. I'm focusing on the body mechanics that will result in power in a self-defense situation. It, it may be slow. It may be relaxed, but the body mechanics are being worked through every movement. The Qi Gung is the meditation when I'm doing the Qigong exercises, not Tai Chi. And that's where a lot of Tai Chi people get screwed up. Okay. They think of it as meditation, as building Qi. No, it's a martial art. And when you're doing a form, you should be working on the, me- the body mechanics that will make you powerful as soon as you speed them up. Right. So connecting is something that uh, you end up, if you, I think if you really carry it forward, is not just moving when your partner moves. It's connecting with everybody you meet throughout the day, connecting with your environment, connecting with people from another tribe, you know, <laughs> whether, yeah. whether yeah. it's political or whether it's from another country or another religion, you, you know, you greet people and connect with them and not seeing yourself as separate or better. That It's important stuff. And I think yeah. uh, martial arts can help you with that if you work it that way. If you try. I like that answer a lot. Very cool. All right. I got a a few fun ones to wrap it up. Now this one, this (laughs) first one here, you can't pick your own. Do you have a, do you have a favorite martial arts book? Favorite martial arts book? Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, the Tao Jeet Kune Do comes to mind. Nice. That's a great one. It is uh, besides the Kung Fu TV show. Mm -hmm. It's the one that uh, made me start looking into the philosophy. Okay. When I read things like, you know, he wrote The Softest Thing Cannot Be Snapped. I had heard about that. I actually was watching an early Kung Fu show last week and uh, heard that again and realized uh, I read that in the Tao Chi Kuno. Nice. So this one, I'm pretty sure I might know the answer to it, but favorite (laughs) martial arts TV show. (laughs) (laughs) Are there any others? (laughs) Oh, there's many. (laughs) You know, uh, I don't. I, I finally tracked down. I wanted to talk with someone from that show. And so a few weeks ago, I contacted the 
the guy who played the kid with the shaved head grasshopper. Mm -hmm. I saw that. Awesome. Oh, did you see it? Yep. Yeah. That's awesome. I, that's what, that's one reason I brought that up. I was, oh, I it was so wonderful. It, it's such a cosmic thing that, that after all these years, 50 years, uh, I established a connection with someone from that show. That's just, uh, I've been bouncing off the walls for a week. <laughs> after, after that. It's when you, when you get to interview one, you know, one of your heroes or, you know, someone that just had an impact on you for some way that's, I've, I've been lucky too. I've had a few and I got to interview one of Bruce Lee's original students and, and I got to interview Jeff Speakman. You know, the reason I, Oh the, really? Yeah. The whole reason I got into American Kempo was because of Jeff Speakman. So you know, when you get opportunities and chances like that, it's just, it's so cool that we get to do those things. You know, I loved his movie. Was it the perfect weapon? weapon? The yep. perfect weapon. Yep. When that came out, I thought, oh, that's great. Yep. And I uh, thought he would do a lot more good movies, but uh, it didn't happen really, did it? No, no, you should actually, look, you'd probably enjoy that interview a lot just a few weeks ago. So, oh, sure. Yeah. I will. Really, I'll really good check one. That out. I, I need to go back now and look through your podcasts and <laughs> listen to some because, uh, you know, I, I really, there are podcasts out there that you don't hear about. And, and I like to put them on Spotify. And, nice. Well, I'm, I'm trying to change that. I'm trying to grow my audience. I'm, you know, I'm getting great guests and stuff. It's just trying to get more people to know about the show. So definitely. But now we, we just kind of mentioned like, um, you know, Jeff Speakman and the perfect weapon. So that leads to my next question. Favorite martial arts movie. <laughs> well, I have to say enter the dragon. Nice. That's a great, even one. though, it, you know, it had some hokey parts, but, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's the reason I got into it. Yeah, that's a classic. I mean, you can you can never go wrong with that answer. So, <laughs> I mean, how beautiful was Bruce Lee in those fight mm -hmm. scenes? Every movement was perfect, and yeah, it's a movie, but it was inspirational. I'm sure there are many others. I, I really like The Forbidden Kingdom. Oh, that's a good one too. Yeah, you know the the whole story from start to finish and the time travel and the way it ended with him coming. Oh, just a great great movie. All right. And the final question. Now this one doesn't have to be a martial arts movie, but do you just have a favorite movie fight scene? It can be martial arts. Doesn't have to be, you know, if I had more time, I might choose other things, but I think, uh, uh James Bond with, uh, in, in the train in from Russia with love. <laughs> That's a good answer. Nice. That, that one hasn't been picked yet. I like that. That was right there in a small room with a tough guy. And it was really uh, fairly realistic. Yeah. That's, I, I like realistic. I mean, I like the flashy ones too, but I love realistic fights. One of my favorites, usually what I, my answer for that one is from the the new, the newborn identity with Matt Damon. The one scene, if you saw that movie in the park, when he's sleeping on the bench and the two police officers come up to him and he just takes them both out in like 10 seconds. <laughs> no, I didn't see, uh, oh. I haven't seen any, uh, okay. yeah. any new ones, but I did see the original. Maybe uh, that yeah. The original was like 1988. I think was it Richard. Um, I can't remember the guy's name now who was in that, but yeah. And the, the one of the, one of the ladies from um, Charlie's angels, I think was in that in the original born identity in like 1988. <laughs> you know, it's funny The I was watching a preview at the theaters with uh, of the, of the first John wick movie. Nice. And there was a real, just brief half a second clip that just the light bulbs went off in my head. I said, that's a perfect Bagua technique. Really? Okay. Where, and even in the movie, it only happens just real quick. But for example, a guy's right hand is punching toward you and you take your left hand, same side, wrap it over as you spin and turn 
we started working on that in class. What a great technique that is to you just shatter someone's arm. Wow. In a, in a very uh, simple move, actually. But uh, that's yeah, cool. That's cool. They're cool movies that uh, have really good techniques. What I get frustrated with is the editing where you can't really tell what techniques being thrown. Right. It's just the real quick boom, 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 boom editing. That's frustrating. Yeah, no, I agree completely. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, Ken, thank you so much. This, this has been so much fun. I, I, I knew very little about the internal arts myself and I'm, I'm glad I got to have you on and talk about that. And I will put links for your blog, your podcast, your videos, anything else you want me to, I'll put on the show notes, but it, it's, it's been such a, a pleasure to have you on the show. And I, I really enjoyed this. Well, if you don't mind, I'll, I can, I can define the three martial arts very quickly. The oh, three and definitely, art. please. Tai Chi is like uh, you're jumping on a beach ball in the water. Okay. Jumping on top of it, where it, it gives, it goes down into the water and, and accepts your energy, but it maintains its structural integrity, and then it bounces back and spins you off, and there's no way you can stay on. Uh, Jing Yi is like a bowling ball splitting through the pins you're just going to drive right through your opponent and there is no gentleness there is no using his energy you're just driving through and bagua is like a spinning wire ball if you punch into that spinning wire ball it's going to catch you up in it and fling you out in any direction and that's a really good way to look at those three arts they're they're very different, but Bagua and Tai Chi especially have a lot of similarities. That's very, that's a, that's a kind of a great way to end it. I, I, I love that. I appreciate your time so much and I will you know, send you links when the show's ready. It'll probably be about, about a month, probably three to okay. four, three to four weeks before the, the episode drops, yeah. but I will, I will definitely be in touch before that. And, and I, I, I so appreciate your time. I really enjoyed this a lot. Brian, it's good to talk with you and meet you and uh, stay in touch. Thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artists. We hope you'll join us every week for a brand new episode with a different martial artist telling their story. If you enjoy the show, be sure to leave us a review. Also, be sure to check out our website at everydaymartialartist.com. There you can find all of our episodes and contact us to suggest guests and ask questions. Again, thanks for listening to Everyday Martial Artists, and we'll see you next week.